Welcome to the Ridley College Chapel podcast. Our mission is to equip men and women for God's mission in a rapidly changing and increasingly complex world. For more information, visit ridley.edu.au. Twenty-one. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, uh, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples um, did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat um, and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to hold the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple um, whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him um, for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not um, not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish um, you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged uh, the, net, the net ashore. It was full of large fish, but even with so many, uh, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared to ask, ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now um, the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, um, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter I was hurt because Jesus asked him uh, the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you addressed yourself um, and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this uh, to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciple um, whom Jesus loved was following them. This was um, the one who had leaned back against Jesus um, at the supper and said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said, Lord, um, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumor spread among the believers that the disciple would not die. 
but Jesus did um, not say that he would not die. He only said, if I want him uh, to remain alive until I return, what is it to you? This is a disciple who testifies um, to these things and who wrote them down. Um, we know that his testimony is true. Jesus did many other things um, as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have um, room for the books that would be written. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks so, be to God. Um, I forgot there was another piece of may your word live in us and bear much fruit to your glory. Amen. Please welcome uh, Adrian and Topher. Well, uh, I'd like to thank Reese and the principal for this opportunity to uh, be with you this morning. My name's Adrian Lane, and uh, I'm the regional officer for uh, Victoria for Bush Church Aid. Bush Church Aid is a mission that's over 100 years old, and it's committed to reaching rural and remote Australia. And around Australia, on islands, in mining communities, agricultural communities, it supports about 35 different ministries. And in most of the places, they're the only ministries in the locality. And in most of the places, if not virtually all of them, they wouldn't survive without Bush Church Aid support. And this morning, I'd like to introduce to you uh, Topher Halliburton. So why don't you tell us, Topher, a little bit about yourself and your ministry? Sure. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Topher Halliburton. I'm married to Chika Narain. And we have two kids, Daniel, who's turning 10 in the month, and Laura, that's uh, just turned six last week. Uh, so it's quite fun right now with them. Um, and I'm quite connected to Melbourne. Some of you might know some of my siblings. Uh, my, my sister lived there on the Ridley campus for a few years. She's married to Mike Phillips. He's an Anglican minister. And my dad's an Anglican minister down there too, in Upway Anglican. Um, and I've visited Melbourne all my life every three years as a missionary missionary kid. Well, whereabouts are you now, Topher? Well, um, this year we moved to Alice Springs. We were in Darwin for years with the Bush Church Aid Society. And this year we moved to Alice Springs uh, and I'm completing my training here uh, in the Anglican Church. So based in the Alice Springs Anglican Parish, the Church of the Ascension, and um, seeking to serve Jesus here, uh, taking the gospel to, to people here in town. Now tell us a little bit of your, about your journey. How did you get there to Alice? Um, <laughs> well, God's in control, I guess. Um, it's a bit of a long story. I mean, I grew up overseas. My parents were missionaries in Chile. I was there for 27 years before returning to Australia uh, and went to Bible college in, in Sydney uh, came up to the territory with the Bush Church Aid Society uh, involved in schools ministry. So I was working with Scripture Union and doing scripture classes in, in schools up in Darwin, working with a lot of different churches. And that was really exciting. I love the school setting. I'm a teacher. Um, that's my background. I really enjoy working with children and youth. Uh, but my years in Darwin also showed me that as much as that was a great place to be in, uh, God was really at work in, in the local church. Uh, that's kind of what he wants, his design, I guess. Um, and so I thought it was good to, to pursue that ministry. Uh, but knowing my weaknesses, 
I approached the bishop and, and, and BCA and said, well, I'd like to be trained in that setting. I don't want to go into that by myself. Um, and so thankfully, uh, both of them have said, yep, let's do it. Uh, and so I just moved here, just started two months ago uh, in the church, um, learning from the rector, Kristen, who used to be the rector in Catherine Anglican Church, an even smaller place than Alice Springs. <laughs> Just tell us, Christian, a little bit more because we're at a, a seminary context here with lots of people thinking about their future ministries. Yes. How have you discerned God's call in your life? Um, there's a few things. I'm constantly aware of my limitations and my need to be in a team, and so that's led me to this to this role. Um, I'm aware that in God's mercy, I grew up in a place where church was, you know, two families in a living room and then four or five families in a, in a school classroom. My parents were church planting. And so I'm aware of, of, of what it looks like to be in, in a low resource area uh, and aware of what it looks like to uh, yeah, throw yourself into relationships with people that have the time. They're here and there's not a lot to do. Um, and so aware of the need and aware that I grew up in kind of that setting, in a remote location. And I'll flag a book, Adrian. Uh, it's just called A Big Gospel in Small Places. As I was thinking about, really, if this was for me, I just reminded about how big the gospel is. Um, it's why ministry in forgotten communities matter. And I think every community, community in the territory is a forgotten community. Um, so reading that alongside scripture and hearing other people's encouragement to pursue ministry uh, in Anglican Church um, has has brought us to this step. Yeah. Now, Topher was going to come down uh, and uh, to Melbourne and do a number of uh, meetings for us uh, this week, but unfortunately uh, we haven't obviously been able to do that. But we're still having the meetings on Zoom, and if people want to hear a little bit more about where Topher's work in Alice, mm. then if you go to the Bush Church Aid website and just look on events, uh, you'll find that there are three meetings, one at 1 o'clock today, one at 1 o'clock tomorrow, one at 1 o'clock on Thursday, and one at 7 o'clock on Wednesday night. So any one of those meetings, Tove will be saying the same things. We're based around different churches. You can find out a little bit more about his work in Alice. Do you want to just give us a flavour of that work in Alice at the moment, Tove? Yeah, sure, absolutely. Well, I don't know if you've been in Alice Springs, but to get to a bigger city than Alice Springs, you've got to drive... 1,500 kilometres in any direction before you get to a bigger city. So we're very isolated. Um, people, a lot of people come here for a two-year period and then stay for good. And so there's a lot of long-termers, but also high rotation, a lot of people that come for two years and then get out. So it's very hard to keep relationships. Um, and we've got a, a, a medium-sized church, I guess. There's two services here um, and a very multicultural community. Uh, very multicultural, our church, uh, parish council. There's a, a people from PNG, from Malaysia, from uh, two from South Sudan, uh, and and then some people like myself that born in Australia but have lived overseas for years. Yeah. Tell us, Dover, how we can pray for you. Um, we're in a new life situation I guess for the family um both of the kids are at school for full time for the first time so Chica's my wife uh, it's a new new reality I guess for her uh, and so we're thinking about that what that might like look, look like into the future for her in particular 
Uh, and that's that's a big prayer point that God will give us wisdom in that area. And then also just um, it's because it's so remote, it's hard to take a break. Um, if I want to go to a place to, to, to rest that isn't in a swag in 30 degrees, I've got to drive 1,500 kilometres. Um, and it's not a lot of fun in that regard. So, yeah, so that God will give us rest here. Well, BCA is uh, very committed to actually training people for country ministry. And at the moment around Australia, there's three or four people in TOFA situation who are sort of effectively, uh, in Melbourne terms, serving as curates or assistant ministers. The Hurleys in Geraldton are one. Uh, the Clouths in the Diocese of Bathurst, just in, at Kelso, are another. We've also been very committed to training uh, Indigenous uh uh, 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 people thinking about min uh, ministry and uh, we're actually looking for someone to train again in our cycle uh, based in Tamworth. Some of you know Lonnie Bendessi who's at um, Ridley. Uh, Lonnie may even be at Chapel. Uh, we've supported him uh, financially as he's been studying at Ridley and also we support uh, Jacob Kelly. Some of you will know him. He's half. He's doing half his time training at Ridley and half his time serving in the parish of Pachuca. And it's just been announced that he's going to go to the parish of Kyabram next year as part of his training. Now, if you'd like to actually think yourself about serving in a rural context, just send me an email. I'd love to um, uh, uh, meet with you just for coffee down in Ligon Street or something like that. On the Bush Church Aid website, it's very easy to sign up for our quarterly magazine and our prayer notes. And uh, on there is also my email address and my um, you can either get them on, in paper or by um, uh, uh, electronic mail. And also uh, where Bush JJ has got a Facebook site and a prayer mate site as well. Well, let's pray before we turn to our sermon. Heavenly Father, as we come before you, we thank you so much for the work of Bush Church Aid and those serving around Australia. Refresh them, we pray, uh, at the, during this difficult time. We thank you especially uh, today for Topher and Chica and uh, Daniel and Laura for the way that you've been leading them over many years. Thank you for the marvellous skills and experiences that you've given them and that they've given back to you to serve you. As they uh, settle now in Alice for training, we pray that you would lead Chica as to how best she can serve you, give wisdom to Topher and Kristen as to how best he can learn and how best he can serve you, and help the kids to quickly settle into school, we ask. Also, we pray, Lord, that given the complexities of refreshment in our current context, that somehow you'll refresh both uh, Topher and the family more generally, uh, regularly, and give them wisdom, Lord, as to how to do that. As we turn now to your word, Lord, we thank you so much that you speak to us through your word, and we pray that you open our eyes to what you're saying to us this morning, and move our hearts to respond in a way that pleases you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thanks, Topher. I'd like uh, this morning to think a little bit about our reading uh, from John 21, Lessons from a Beach Breakfast. John 21 finds the disciples at a transition. Twice they've seen the risen Lord, but what's next? They've simply been told to wait. Now, transitions are uneasy times, aren't they? There's uncertainty. You can't plan for the future. 
There's questions of confidence. Will I be up for what's next? Do I even know what's next? And I'm sure many of you are in that situation right now. The past for these disciples has been rich and intense. They've been in a period of training when they've seen extraordinary miracles, when they've seen crowds hanging on every word from their master. But they don't know how this past links into their future, not even into their present. It's an uneasy time. And in his restlessness, Peter says to some of them, I'm going out to fish. They join him, and after a long night, they catch nothing. Someone on the shore cries out, caught anything? Nah. Throw your net on the other side. And they catch a truckload. It's the Lord, says one of them. And as soon as he hears this, Peter, ever the enthusiast, grabs his cloak and dives in. Well, the others are a little bit more practical. They bring the catch ashore where they discover that Jesus has prepared a beach breakfast of bread and fish for them. And in his breaking and sharing of the bread, and in his breaking and sharing of the fish, they know they are eating with the resurrected And no doubt the memories come flooding back of another catchless night and that first call from Jesus to let down their nets for a catch and that first truckload of fish. And Peter, for the first time, at Jesus' knees, go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. And that first commissioning, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch people. And that first decision to pull up their net boats on the shore, leave everything and follow him. And now Jesus is reminding them of why they went into training for three intense years to catch people. And so this is a marvellous illustrative lesson for the disciples. Let's get this clear, guys. Fishing is not for you. Fishing for fish, that is. I mean, look where it's got you. But when you fish for people at my call, you'll be amazed at the catch. But then Jesus turns from the disciples to focus on Peter. Do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, do you truly love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Take care of my sheep. A third time, Jesus said to him, Simon, do you love me? And Peter's heard that Jesus asked him a third time. 
Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Feed my sheep. You see, those burning coals that we read about, they should have set alarm bells, or not necessarily alarm bells, but should have reminded us, shouldn't they, of another night just a few weeks before when Peter denied he even knew the Lord. Yes, three times. Peter is indeed a sinful man, just like us. And in this gracious reinstatement of relationship, not only does Jesus give Simon Peter a chance to reaffirm his relationship, but Jesus plainly commissions him to feed my sheep and follow me. And no longer will he be called Simon, but Peter, the rock on which Christ will build his church, even as he's warned that he will die at the hands of others. But Jesus has another lesson for Peter. What about him, Peter asks, as he looks over his shoulder at John following. What about him, Jesus says. Don't worry about him. That's none of your business how he's going to die. Don't look over your shoulder and compare. If I wanted to stay alive till I return, so what? Just get on with the work and the life that I've given you. A lesson for the disciples, you're to be fishers of people. A lesson for Peter, feed my sheep, follow me, irrespective of what happens to others. And a lesson for us readers. John concludes his book with a little authentication. You know, this beach breakfast is clearly the account of an eyewitness. But it's an eyewitness who doesn't want to big note himself by saying, oh, look, I was there in the centre of everything, but an eyewitness who nonetheless wants his readers to know that it's true because he's seen and tasted it himself. He's tasted that broken bread and fish from the hands of the risen Christ. And, in fact, he goes on to say, look, I've just given you a sample of what's occurred. You couldn't fill the whole world with all the books about Jesus. But it's more than true. It's been written for a purpose. All this has been written that you may believe, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Do you believe? Then know that God has a role for you in his great eternal plan of making disciples of Jesus. It may be as an evangelist, teacher or leader like Peter. It may be as a writer like John. It may be as a missionary like Paul. There are fish to be caught. On one hand, we know God's grand plan for the salvation of his church, don't we? We know the big plan. Yet on the other hand, the day's worries are enough for each of us, aren't they? And in this time of transition, of uncertainty, 
I want to remind us of Jesus' words to just to take a day at a time, for today's worries are enough. What's God got for me today? What's his next step as I follow him? You might end up in Alice Springs like Topher. He had no idea he'd end up in Alice Springs when he was at Theological College. And don't dare fall into the comparison trap. What about him? What about her? Your business is to believe and to ask, what does God want me to do today to grow his kingdom? A lesson for the disciples. You're to be fishers of people. A lesson for Peter. Feed my sheep. Don't worry about others. A lesson for us all. Believe.